Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? I hope you guys are doing well. And there you are. That's what you guys look like. You guys are beautiful, man. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, you're beautiful. Not in, not in that weird way, not in that weird way, you know, come on, just like Milo said, I must say, you are beautiful, it's so good to have you guys here today, oh man, um, how many of you guys had a crazy week, any crazy week people out there, how many of you guys still have your hair, everybody, okay, so it wasn't that bad, I'm glad that you guys made it through, you are still standing, and um, today we are going to be continuing in our series called Why Worry. So I'd just like to welcome you all here today to everybody online. It's good to have you here as well. Last week, we, 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 we had a look at this topic of that it's all about faith. If we want to move past our worry, we need a greater faith. Because a greater faith takes us away from a greater worry. And before that, the week before, Pastor Louis, who is here today, can we just welcome them back? Where, where are they? Uh, it's so good to have you there. It's like, you know, um, a part of me was missing, <laughs> the white side of me. It's just so good that he's here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and when he preached two weeks ago, he spoke about that worry is actually, it does nothing for us. How many of you guys like when things work for you? Worry doesn't work for you. It adds nothing to your life, but in essence, it takes things away from your life. It takes joy. It weighs you down. It puts on weight. You know, when you worry, we eat, and then you can't run and get away, and then it's a bad thing. But worry doesn't add. It only takes away. So today, we are going to be looking at, we're going to be continue, continuing in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is chatting to his disciples. He's chatting to a great crowd. This is one of his most amazing sermons that he preaches. And we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 6. And he's going to kind of give us the key on how to overcome our worry. So if you have your Bible with you today, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 to 34. We're going to read it from the NIV today. And this is what it says. It says, But seek first the kingdom, his kingdom, and his righteousness. Um, so I promised my wife I wouldn't say something. But she's not here. She's in the kids. And, 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 and those who know me, it's like when I see this word, but. I'm like those kids that go, <laughs> said but. Um, because, you know, I love big buts in the Bible. Yeah, let's keep it clean. Hey, because whenever you see the word but in the Bible, there is a major turning point that God wants you to take notice of. And wherever there is a big but, we should pause and actually see what God is trying to tell us through the scripture. Because at this point in time, up until we get to this verse, in verse 32, it actually says, 31 and 32, we read, it's like, don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. The pagans, they run after the same things. However, God knows what you want. He knows what you want. And then he throws in this word, but. 
Because even though he knows what you want, there is just certain things that falls on us. And that is what we're going to be picking up over here. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Today, as we continue in the series of Why Worry, I want us to look at it from this point of view. Today is the focus issue. Today is the focus issue. So, yesterday, my son played his very first soccer match. Very first. Now, it's a, a really important match in the entire family's life. Because there is no one in my family that likes soccer. Like, uh, sorry, um, football. I don't know, even know what to call it. He is the only one that likes this sport. He's the only one that watches it. So you've got to understand, yesterday in the family, yeah, we were all excited. It was like going to watch a World Cup match for us. Hey, uh, we, we were like up early, you know, we had our colors. We were going, yay, this is amazing. And my question to him is like, boy, are you ready? Are you ready, my boy? And he goes, uh-huh. I'm like, I was more excited than he was. So um, we, we, get to, we get to the field where they're playing, and there's all these um, sports teams. I mean, it's age groups. It's a whole lot of teams, and we, you could feel the atmosphere. You know, how many of you guys like live sporting events? You go there, it's all about the atmosphere. It's the same when we come to church. Coming to church in person, sorry guys at home, but it's all about the atmosphere, right? Wow. Yeah, you can't hear them, but they are excited. It's about the atmosphere. And so we're standing there, and we're enjoying the day, and here we go. My boy and them are on the field. Big moment. But what I have come to realize is that the build-up to this match, they weren't training my boy for a match. They were just showing him how to play soccer in whichever way they knew. So come match day, everything changes. So like, the, it went from everybody being on the field to a five-a-side soccer match that changes everything. And if you know my boy, it's... It has to be this way. And then all of a sudden, they had lost their minds. So I promised my wife and myself um, that I would never become that parent. You, you know those parents on the side of a soccer field. Those parents that they actually create a code of conduct for. You know, you, you're allowed to get excited, but only inside your car away from the match. And so I'm like, I won't be that parent but the, like I said, the build-up to this match, I, I kind of noticed that my boy doesn't know what to do on the field. So I'm like, I'm showing him, this is how you kick. Because he had this kind of two-step when he wanted to kick a ball. And I'm like, dude, I know you got better moves than me, but don't do that on the field. So I'm coaching him, I'm training him, I'm showing him how to kick, where to pass, where to go, how to look for people. And he goes, I got it, Dad. So they run onto the field and like, this man is ready composed. And by half time, we are down 4-0. And I'm like, yay, how do we get this back? So 
Like I said, I promised I wouldn't be that dad. But I lied. And so second half starts, and they come back onto the field, and I'm like, yeah, come on, Jaden, run, mock this man. And my wife, she wasn't there. She, like, looked at me. For those who don't know, my wife's white, so she went to go stand on the other side of the field. It's like these people, you know. But in any case, so, like, we, we, we were all on the field, and I was getting excited. But what I noticed was that at halftime, the coach had started chatting to the team. And he was telling them certain things, but I couldn't share because I wasn't on the field. But what I noticed in my boy was he was still kicking the ball like his dad told him. He was still marking a man like his dad told him. But at this point in time on the field, when I say, hey, Jaden, why don't you move a little bit forward? He looked at me like, who are you? And he turned his head and he just carried on playing. And I was like, oh, shocking, shocking. They ended up losing that match. 4-3. They came back from 4-0 to 4-3. But what I want you guys to pay attention to in this little illustration that I'm using is that his focus was on something else, not on his dad, because yes, I am his dad. I taught him how to play ish soccer. But the priority wasn't his dad at that moment. His priority was to listen to his coach. And when he changed the priority of who he was listening to, things changed. And that is what we need to do as Christians. We need to make sure that we get our priority straight because it's all about priority. The first thing we need to understand when it comes to living a life free from worry is to make sure that our priorities are correct, and that is what we were reading in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Our priority is to first seek the kingdom of God, and everything else will come into place. That which has the highest priority in your life has your focus. What has the highest priority in your life at this moment? You see, my oldest son, he has a dog. It's his dog, not mine. He worked hard to get this dog. He studied hard. He chose the dog. It is his dog. But now, four years later, this dog isn't on his priority list. So when it comes to feeding the dog, who feeds the dog? Not him. Hey, who cleans up after the dog? Not him. What is on his priority list? Fortnite. In Jesus' name, Fortnite be gone. No, I'm just checking. But that's the thing. His priority is different, so therefore his focus is different. And when we look at how we move forward through this life, free from worry, we need to make sure that our focus is focused on what is our priority. And we need to make sure we get our priorities correct. How do you prioritize your relationship with Jesus at this moment? Is it family first, work first, relationship first, things first? It shouldn't be that way. What has the priority gets your focus. Jesus shows us 
how to love and lead our family. So our family shouldn't be first. It should be God. It should be seeking Jesus because only when we see him, seek him first, do we know how to look after our family. When we seek him above our work, then we know how to live a righteous life within our work and be people that we can trust on. No matter what it is, we need to make sure that we place Jesus in the number one slot on our priority list. And I like what it says here. It says, first seek. It doesn't say either or maybe. Seeking the kingdom shouldn't be an option. It should be a priority. Because if it is an option, it will never make its way into our focus. Most of our worries are not because of a lack of provision in our lives, but a lack of priority. Because think about it, we all have stuff. Who's got stuff? Who's got shoes? Who'd like more shoes? Who likes new shoes? Hey? Like all the women are going, Yeah. <laughs> Guys, who's got a car? Who'd like a new car? Who wants more than one car? And yeah, everybody's like, yay. You see, it's not that there's a lack of stuff in our lives. We have provision. Our worries come from the lack of where we place our priority. If we want to live a life completely free from worry, we need to seek first the kingdom of God. Remember, we read, what shall we eat, drink, or wear? Because what has your focus at this moment? Bills? Relationship? We need to shift the way we look. Change your priority and all these things. All these things. What is all those things? All means all. Everything. Everything that you worried about. Everything that you want. Everything that you're concerned about. If we prioritize seeking the kingdom first, everything else that is bringing us worry will fall into place. And that is what we need to look at. So the next thing is, is don't focus on the problem focus on the promise. Because Jesus comes out and he says, seek first the kingdom, and I promise you, all these other things will come into place. He makes a promise. How many of you guys know God is a promise keeper? He is one person that we can rely on. There is two accounts in the Bible that I just want to bring to your attention quickly. Um, Elijah and Elisha both have an encounter with a widow, not a window, a widow at two different times in their lives. And at both times, there is a lack in their lives. And what both Elijah and Elisha asks these widows is, can you please change the priority in your life and can you help us? And both of these widows are focused on the problem that they have. The one with Elijah is focused on the drought that they find themselves in. And I don't have much food. I don't have much things in my life. So I'm going to make this bread so that we can die. And in Elisha goes, I'm going to lose my son. But all I have is a little oil. You see, they were focused on the problem. 
And what both these men of faith do in their lives is like, don't focus on your problem, focus on the promise. Because immediately when they send them away to go and do what they ask them to do, there is a promise that comes that says, this oil will not run out in the first case. And in the second one is like, your son will be saved. God gives us promises, and he's the only one that can keep it. Just because you don't have it now doesn't mean that it's not on its way. It might not be the right time. You might not be ready for it. It's like, we were, what do you want? Let let me give you an example. When we first moved to Cape Town, to plant a church, we came to this school and we asked them if we could use their building. We weren't ready for it. You see, we didn't have a church. The only people in our church at that point in time was just my wife and myself. Imagine the two of us in this building. We wouldn't have made it. We weren't ready. But just because it's not now doesn't mean it's not coming. We have to be patient enough to wait for it. You see, the one thing, if we have a look at another story within the Bible, the one thing that got the Israelites into the promised land that God had for them was where they placed their focus. Because Moses sends out 12 spies, right? And these 12 spies go and spy out the land, and they go and have a look and, have a, and, and check out the land that God is promising them. And in it, they see giants, they see land, they see fruit. Ten of them come back and go, it is good. But have you seen what is in there? And they focused on the problem. But two of them come back and they go, have you seen the fruit? They focused on the promise of God, which says it is a land flowing with milk and honey. So if you've seen these grapes, imagine what the cows look like. Focus on God's promise rather than focusing on the problem. Because how do we win a world if we worry like the world? We have been called to make a difference here on this earth. Jesus tells us to seek his kingdom and the stuff will come. But if you just focus on the stuff, how do you focus? How many things can you focus on at one time? Let me give you this example. How many of you guys like going to the mall? Guys, guys, guys. Show of hands, not ladies. How many of you guys like walking around in the mall with your wives? Everybody put their hands up just so you saw so I'm lying. <laughs> like, for me, when it comes to getting, I don't mind walking around in a mall. I love the mall-ish. It's not that bad. But I know what I want in a mall. How many of you guys know what you want in a mall? Hey, that's, that's, that's obvious. And it doesn't matter if that shop has what I want or not. If I go in there and it has it, I'm happy. If it doesn't have it, I leave. Hey? But my wife, it doesn't matter if they have it or don't, we're going to focus on a lot of stuff. 
It's like, I just need a pair of shoes. How many of you guys have been fooled with that? Yeah, well, let's just go look for a pair of shoes. And then we go to the mall. Three hours later, <laughs> we're still in the same shop. We haven't even left that shop because we look at this, we look at that. And that is what Jesus is trying to show us. Get one focus. Because if you focus on a whole lot of different things, you're going to get stuck in a place. You're never going to move. You're always going to be concerned about that one specific thing. And when you can't focus on that, you find something else to focus on. And then it just becomes a cycle. But Jesus says, focus on getting into the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. If you have one point of focus, everything else will settle. Everything will come into place. So what is the kingdom? And I've got to tell you how the kingdom works in order for us to seek it. And Paul writes, and he goes to, in the book of Romans, he writes to the church there, and he's like, this is it. This is what the kingdom of God is. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Once again, even here, Paul goes, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So what does that mean for us today? We need to understand that we are righteous. What is your identity at this moment? Our identity is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So you are righteous because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you have, what you want, or where you want to go. It's all about Jesus. That is what righteousness is. We are made righteous through him. So what do you think about yourself at this moment? How do you think of yourself? Do you think of yourself as a son, as a daughter? And then the next thing he goes is peace. We need righteousness we need peace. Because of our relationship with Jesus, we have peace. Look at the person next to you. Now look at the person behind you. Find someone. Look at them. Eye them. But, ha but check this out. We cannot have peace if we can't love each other. Because if there is no love there can be no peace. And if we want peace, this is what Jesus says, we need to live in it. So tell people about Jesus. Love people. It doesn't matter what they do. Love them. Have righteousness. Have peace. And then the next thing is you need to have joy in the Holy Spirit. How many believe in miracles? How many of you guys believe that Jesus is still the God of miracles? How many of you guys believe that in order for miracles to be done here on earth, he actually needs someone to do it? And this is joy in the Holy Spirit, is knowing the power and the authority that you walk in. 
you need to understand that God has asked you. Jesus goes, go, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons. He wants you to walk in the authority of heaven here on earth. And that is why Jesus says, seek the kingdom first. Why is this important? Because let me give you an example. Back in the days when the Roman Empire was at its peak, they would conquer a territory. Hey, how many of you guys have ever played Risk? That is a game straight from the pit of hell. We played it once. I didn't speak to my wife for a whole weekend. Backstabber. Oh, it's one of those games. But the thing about risk is you have to try and occupy as much territory as possible. And the only way you know it's yours is if your colors are there, right? And the same happened with the Roman Empire. Whenever they conquered another territory, they would send in people of their place, of the Roman Empire, to set up places of worship educational system and change the culture that even make the roads the same so that when the Caesar of the time walked into that territory, it would be like he is at home and it would be comfortable. And that is what Jesus wants us to do when we seek the kingdom, we bring heaven down on earth. When we walk in righteousness, peace, and joy, we declare that God's kingdom is here on earth. That is why Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth, as it is in heaven. So as we seek the kingdom, we are in fact changing the environment that we live in. And as we change the environment everything else falls into place. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be done here on earth. One more verse. Can we please turn to Luke chapter 10 and we're going to have a look from verse 38. So we've got school holidays starting next week. Any parents looking forward to school holidays? Looks like I'm the only one. Um, who has been on holidays so far? I see Louis going to put up his hand. <laughs> Man. How many of you guys enjoy your time off? How many of you guys enjoy being off and being called to work? How many of you guys have been on Holiday and being called to ask to do work. Yeah, dislike it, eh? No one likes it. And yeah, in the story, we have that exact problem. You know, we, we have two sisters, and we're going to pick it up right now. Jesus has just come and visited friends. He's sitting down. They're about to have a meal, but he starts chatting to people, which Jesus does. He talks to them. He's sharing with them. And we meet two sisters, Martha and Mary. And it's kind of what we are talking about in this series. It's like, why are we worried about certain things? We shouldn't be doing that. And this is what it says from verse 38. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Who has that sibling that will leave you to do work? Uh, I'm letting you know I am that sibling. (laughs) It's always the youngest, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And here he goes, what is your priority? What are you focusing on? You know, don't worry about so many things. Focus on one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The difference between the two ladies is one was in presence of Jesus, and another one was working to get his attention. How many of you guys have ever felt that, like, at sometimes I just, Jesus doesn't see what I'm doing. He doesn't see that I'm helping, praying. It's not about what you do. It's about where you position yourself. How are you positioning yourself at this moment? We need to learn to worship. No matter what you are going through, this is one of the key points in seeking God and turning away from worry or not allowing worry to be a part of your life as you need to learn to worship. If you want to change your focus, you need to learn how to get into his presence. Because worship changes our focus. How many of you guys love multitasking? It doesn't matter how good of a multitasker you are. I don't even know if that's a sentence. You cannot worry and worship God at the same time. It is impossible. Because if we really worship God... Everything else kind of takes a sideline. Have you ever been so stressed out, but then you start to worship and notice that you feel your stress level has gone down in that moment? Have you ever felt like when things aren't going your way and you just sit there and you focus on God's goodness that troubles seem so much further at that point in time? Because when you worship, you get into His presence. And in his presence is peace. In his presence is joy. In his presence is hope. I love how David writes in Psalms, he says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. When we worship God, God doesn't get bigger. Our worship doesn't make him get bigger. As we worship Him, our view of Him gets bigger. And everything that we've been focusing on that has brought us worries has to take a backseat behind the greatness of who He is. So that nothing can come through, so that nothing can get in your way. 
Don't come into church and spectate. Participate. You might not like to worship. But can I tell you something? When you do, everything changes. Try it. I'm one of those guys, if you walk up to me and you say, Milo, I make the best anything. What is my response? Prove it. If you are going through something, thing is wearing or holding you down, worship. Get into a time of worshiping our King. Now, worship looks different for a lot of us. You know, for some of us, worship is a song. I know quite a few friends, you play a song and they're in God's presence immediately. I mean, you've just pressed play. The song hasn't even started. In His presence. But that's because they're worshipers. But then there are others that their form of worship is getting on their knees and just laying in the presence of God. That is worship. Worship for you can be sitting on a couch with a cup of coffee and just talking to him and telling him about how good he is, about how great he is, reminding him of what he has done in your life, not to remind him, but to remind you of how good he is. The thing is, we need to worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. So when we worship, we effectively once again bring heaven down to earth. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek Him in the form of worship. Seek Him in the form of getting into His presence. Because how many of you guys know where there is light, there is no darkness? And who is Jesus to you at this moment? Is He hope? Is he peace? Is he joy? Whatever he is to you, worship that and watch everything else fade. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will fall into place. Can we pray? Can we just close our eyes? I don't know what your worship looks like. I don't know if you even worship. But I just want you to sit there quickly. I want you to think of one thing that God has done in your life. One thing where he has blown your mind, can I say it? one thing where without God, you wouldn't be here today. It could be something small. It could be something big. It could be something recent. It could be something old. I want you to think about that. And I want you to just, do you guys all have something like that in your mind? Just where you are quickly, say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do that again in my life, in a different situation, because only you can. That is the start of worship. That is the start of seeking His kingdom. Notice how as you looked at that, you were also at the same time trying to figure out how to get through what you were doing. 
or what was weighing you down, you thought of one thing and for a short period took your mind off it. So Lord Jesus, right now I pray your peace over everybody, your hope over everybody. I pray right now that you would help us to shift our focus and to prioritize you above everything else. And Father God, I pray that in that, you will amaze us. Thank you that you stay true to your promise. We bless your name. We worship you, our King. We give you all the praise. Amen.